Before we start the show, if you want more stock talking, check out my newsletter at tinyletter.com slash bbrostoff or visit postcoronastocks.com. You can find me on Twitter at at BMB21. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Stock Talking, an exploration of financial markets in the context of the post-corona world. COVID-19 has changed the way we value equity, debt, and business as a whole. My goal is to find great companies who can thrive in the new normal. I can't wait to get started. Welcome to another episode of Stock Talking. It's been a while. We had Memorial Day weekend where I know some of us got in a couple rounds of golf, but it's good to be back and we got the most valued and best guest we've ever had and most frequent guest, the impervious, Sean Bush. Welcome to the show again. I'm, I'm a great value. Uh, just enter promo code the impervious at checkout for, for a discount, but warning, uh, you get what you pay for with these takes. And basically we needed this time or I needed this time to just sort of be in timeout from that really awful bear take uh, a week and a half ago, but it been down long enough that I get to make the same take again with even more conviction. So looking forward to getting into it. Yeah. I had to flatter your ego in the introduction because you came out with probably the worst prediction you possibly could have last time you were on the podcast. So I think people are looking for an apology. They're looking for some explanations. So uh, yeah, let's get into why you were so bearish last Sunday. Well, having traded sideways for several months and we've talked about the different bull and bear theses in the past, it's felt like we've been at a turning point. And when I chose to uh, exclaim it's a top or as our good friend Will Mead would say, Denmark 13 or something like that, just happens to be uh, the weekend where SPY gaps up big time and in my defense, I did give a, an out in terms of where that uh, thesis, bull thesis, was, or bear thesis was invalidated, which uh, the market blew past uh, in, in futures and opened several dollars above that. So by abandoning that abysmal bear take and just switching to calls, it ended up being quite a good uh, past week and a half. And so what, what we've learned since the last time we were on um, is that in this current market cycle, and I guess you can consider general upward trend or general downward trend to be a market cycle is that there is a very defined sort of cadence in how things have been going since that that one uh, gap up to the the 290 range so what we've seen have been some uh, pretty tremendous uh, gaps up and basically folks what that means is that when you have a gap up that means the market either opens at a price that it never traded at the previous day and then continues to either go up or down in a range that was not traded the previous day so if you look at uh, a chart with the candles, you'll see a gap between the, the candle itself. And that's created usually by, you know, futures trading or just if there's a big piece of news overnight, then uh, that will move the, the price of opening significantly from where it closed. And what, what we've been seeing the last week is that there's been a significant amount of buying activity in uh, futures trading, which is active uh, overnight. And what it looks like basically been happening, and this is, you could set your watch to it almost clockwork around 3 a.m. when the volume is sort of the lowest, uh, there's just an insane pump where the market um, futures, you know, will go up a, a percentage point, uh, maybe even two in a matter of hours, meaning that if you went to bed expecting a green day, you'll, you'll have, or a red day, have nothing but green by the time you get up. And then the actual cash trading, so during market hours, you see very little price movement uh, except for typically some type of sell-off, usually profit-taking or something like that uh, from the previous night's run-up. 
And then the same thing again, where if there's a sell-off at the end of the day, just major pump overnight and then not much price action, maybe sideways to a little bit of a sell-off or just a slow melt-up throughout the day. And over this past Memorial weekend, we had uh, a session and a half, one future session and abbreviated session where... uh, uh, the pajama traders um, were, were busier than ever, maybe had a few Bud Lights at the picnic and just went way over the top, pumping us to that 300 uh, range or 3,000 rather on SPY or S&P 500, 300 on SPY, um, which is pretty significant point, at least psychologically, um, that we haven't been to after the crash. And so from last Monday where my, my awful bear call was invalidated, it seems like the market's basically been on a tractor beam to that 300-ish range. And so every single time there was a sell-off, it was clear that the selling rally could never get enough momentum going to really challenge that trend of just general upward movement with major overnight uh, price movements. And that was confirmed over and delivering us to 300. So trying to sort of time the top is, is difficult, but you can sort of look for different points uh, along the way. And one of the significant ones that stands out is a gap that will be filled from the ride down. Basically two trading days during that drop created a gap between the two candles where there was uh, either a limit down or just a big sell-off overnight uh, in the 302.46 range. So uh, why are these significant? I don't know. But in the market, the gaps tend to get filled and they turn out to be significant resistance and support levels. So we didn't hit that 302.46 level yesterday and we're recording this on Wednesday, May 27th. 27th? Well, year of our Lord 2020. Uh, It didn't hit that price on Tuesday. Got very, very, very close. And then... Uh, we had a bit of a sell-off in the afternoon so we could get some gain some steam to come back. And with that trend, when there's a sell-off, you know that it's going to pump overnight by calls in that situation. And sure enough, uh, pumped overnight. We got to somewhere just below or open just somewhere below 302. Major sell-off today taking us down to 297. Uh, so if you're holding calls and puts, you could have uh, profited on both within the span of about an hour and a half, two hours of market open. But what really stood out today was the major, major rally at the end of the day, uh, taking us way past uh, 303 and into the 304 range, um, which blew way past that, that gap number. But what really stands out to me is this end of the day rally, which we have not seen in weeks. And so for most people, I don't think a major rally at the end of the trading day would give you big, bare, uh, warm fuzzies on the inside. But again, this is not something that we've seen and considering how almost overbought the major indexes are after that rally. It's hard to expect major pumping tonight. And even if there is, that there won't be a significant sell-off tomorrow, which could be enough to get some some steam going to take us past this 297 resistance, possibly down to 295 and potentially kick off uh, a somewhat downward trend. I don't want to call this a rug pull, but I definitely think we retest 288. And depending on the news, we can get into some of the different bull and bearish scenarios. Uh, I think 270 is also, or 265, a reasonable low point for, for a major reversal. And there will always be you know, small uh, Fibonacci retracements along the way. You don't just go straight down. But I guess it's, it's significant to, to time this top 
precisely because the way the market works, it drops really fast and then will go up slowly and gradually, you know, with some downward movement on the way. So to get those big down drops like we saw uh, at the end of February and beginning of March, um, not that I expect something of that magnitude, you sort of need to be positioned at the right time. So, you know, my galaxy brain take here is after that huge rally, I think this would be a great opportunity for the market makers and the shady forces sort of uh, directing the market to completely flip the script and use that behavioral sort of expectation that they've built in all of us to expect that it's going to pump overnight and just pull the rug out or have a major sell-off overnight, potentially trade sideways and start cash with a huge sell-off um, just to break sort of that, that expectation and just, it's not, it's, it's very concerning when the market is this predictable and you can't count on doing the same thing over and over and over again and being, being successful. But all that having been said, obviously, yes, the market can still go up. I think the next uh, gap to be filled is somewhere around the 313 range. Don't have the chart in front of me, but if it blows way past this number, it doesn't show any weakness, which I, I find doubtful. Uh, it, there is obviously room to run, you know, all time highs before the end of the month, maybe, but, uh, anyways, I'd be interested to get some of your takes, Ben, and, you know, I can talk a little bit more about some of the options flow I saw today that uh, you know, gave me that, that sort of thesis here, but we can get into that in the options flow discussion. Yeah, it's been quite an incredible month. I mean, you, you put, to put it in perspective, we opened May 1st at 282, closing, as you said, today at 303.53. That's a gain of 7%. If you annualize that, you know, it's pretty crazy. We're talking about, you know, 80, 90, 100% gains for the year. I think there's almost this built-in belief that the market is going to hit all-time highs. I think of the the bulls out there, the belief is that this is going to be a breakaway run. It's funny, I had a buddy who's uh, looking to buy a house now, so he was trying to get pre-approved for a mortgage. So they asked him for his brokerage statements uh, for March and April, and, he, and he's told them, you know, wait till May. You know, you, you May is going to knock your socks off if you think March and April were good. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of optimism. There's a lot of irrational exuberance right now, and it's all happened despite fairly negative macro news. I think we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on between the US and China, but that significantly concerns me. Some of what we heard from the Fed definitely concerns me. I think what you saw today, I mean, going off the bottom from 297, uh, I think a lot of it was on some of the news out of Europe that they're going to pump a lot of money into the market. There's going to be fiscal support um, out of the EU and various countries in Europe. At the same time, though, I mean, there's, there's nothing from the macro fund to really support this run up. Um, even I think it's overblown. And as you know, I've, I've been a secular bull for a long time. So I'm tempted to agree with you. I mean, one more thing I would point out is the VIX has absolutely fallen off a cliff. We're down to 27 handle or so on the VIX. Um, that's off the top from like 50 or 60 when things were really getting crazy in March. So the, the lack of volatility, the straight up move, I mean, it can certainly go on. And as you said, don't fight the price action. In your defense, when you came on Sunday, you talked about uh, support levels in the 300s. So I have no, I have no doubt we'll continue to march upwards if that's the way it goes. But again, like if you're a fundamentals trader, um, you're someone who's looking to get in at the right prices. There's definitely stocks out there, and I'll, I'll continue my long-term bull calls on the banks. You know, I, I continue to buy Wells Fargo even though it's run up from like 21 to 27. I think that's like a 50, 60 dollar stock easy. I mean, you look at the the book value of the company and their ability to originate loans. There, there's stocks I like a ton. Um, but at the, at the same time, like there's no justification for some of the volatility we're seeing on the upside um, and not on the downside. So 
I'm agreeing with you. Uh, I think we're both going to end up being wrong the way the market's going, but I'm not a buyer at these levels for a lot of stocks. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the VIX currently sitting or closed at 33.10 um, today. Did, did pretty well with VIX calls that I got yesterday, sold them and then re-upped uh, at this rally. But uh, quick hot take, just VIX calls right now, uh, uh, a great play. And for, if you're not familiar, that's basically you're, you're betting on volatility or as I like to call it, chaos in the market. So let chaos reign supreme. Um, you know, likelihood the price goes up and down over a wide uh, area, but basically, what what I would ascribe the uh, bull rally to the last couple of weeks is enthusiasm around reopening. We are getting official announcements, official dates for places like Disney World, different sports leagues, different casinos now actually have a timeline there, and it shows that, or in some of these areas, cruise lines, for example, uh, there is really a pent up demand. You know, there isn't. Uh, a, a uh, lack of um, you know willingness to re-engage with products that people did once before, um, but we we do have a challenging scenario here for it to continue sort of that enthusiasm moving forward, uh, and that is you know the, we need to find more more growth than just sort of a sector rotation since in in this past week really we've seen that tech in my boy the Nasdaq the DAC. Uh, is looking really tired. He's exhausted from carrying the entire market on its back uh, and hasn't really been participating as much in these upward runs, but sure as hell has been dropping uh, with the rest of the market. And we've seen some of the market bellwethers, Microsoft, uh, Apple, different chip companies, um, even though they, they had some nice runs today, are really just running out of juice. And so there's only so far up some of these companies at all time highs can continue to go. Um, and that requires other markets to step up. So we saw retail at the end of last week, TJ Maxx have a huge run. Uh, and this week in particular, we've seen financials really be um, on the rise. And so it looks like there could be you know, another section bringing up the rear, but with at least retail, we still have the specter of solvency being a problem that could rear its ugly head. And then also the fact that financials are too tied to interest rates, which could direct or inversely impact their ability to continue um, this upward rise as well as, you know, other exposure to different financial instruments, CLOs, otherwise that we've talked about previously. So there's certainly risk there. And talking about revisiting some of the macro uh, bear potential uh, catalysts we talk about, I think the biggest one now, uh, it hasn't been COVID news for a while. The market's been pretty ambivalent to that. Um, but we've seen the price move on China news, not even just action, but news about uh, potential uh, either sanctions from the U.S. or action most recently uh, for China's um, establishment of a security state, essentially. I probably didn't get the, the nomenclature there in Hong Kong. But last week, one of the things that really stood out to me was a bill that passed Senate, uh, which would require Chinese companies to follow SEC accounting uh, practices, which seems kind of like a duh thing. But uh, I guess, you know, if you've been doing things a certain way and your valuation is dependent on it, that's only risk for you, nothing to gain. Otherwise, they'd be saying, here's our books, take a look at them. And we've talked in the show in the past about some Chinese companies that I think are, are totally fraudulent. And there's great short seller reports. But there's going to be a tit for tat here as much as the U.S. definitely has some leverage and can posture. Um, we're expecting some type of corrective action from, from China, even heard uh, a, on a very reliable uh, Twitter source. It could be coming as soon as tonight or tomorrow. Um, what, what would that look like? I don't know, maybe flooding the treasuries market. Um, which, you know, would definitely kick off a major financial war. But I think the impact of the U.S.-China trade war cannot be 
discounted and will not necessarily be a catalyst for a downward rug pull, we'll call it, but seeing how the market reacted uh, last week to some of that news, I think we can expect that that's the most realistic, uh, at least macro piece of news to, to bring the market down. I also wouldn't discount the jobs report coming out tomorrow. While that hasn't mattered in the past, the market's pretty uh, ambivalent to that and pretty manic in terms of you know <laughs> being uh, very green on bad reports. I think now that there is reopening, now that people are going back to work, if it's worse than expected. I think that sort of will really uh, paint the economic reality we're living in and how dire the situation is. If things are reopening, people aren't getting their jobs back. There's more unemployed than we would expect. So, you know, there could be a, a whole soup of bad news that, that really kicks things off. Yeah, you had, you had a bunch of takes there that I thought were kind of interesting. So you did mention sector rotation and the idea that, you know, even though some sectors have rallied a ton, tech being the, the one in my mind that's just been on a monster run, there's still others that lag behind. Of course, financials we talked about, I thought it was significant that Jamie Dimon came out and basically said, you know, I think JP Morgan has huge value at this price. So really defending the banks, you saw financials rally on that. I think there's a ton of other sectors, that, specifically small caps, that are still fairly beaten up. So if you're going to have a bull thesis, I think it's, well, like even though the indices are, are pretty toppy, remember those are dominated by tech stocks and kind of large tech stocks at that. So there's still other sectors that could run up and push the indices higher. Um, on the macro news, like I think we've agreed on China for a long time and the, there's no scenario where there's not some type of event on the horizon that's going to be continued escalation. Um, I mean, the, the Chinese economy by any metric has been overvalued for some time. You know, there's been various studies of financial fraud, um, you know, overvaluation, how they measure things not being accurate. Um, that said, you know, that, that hasn't stopped that trade uh, being long China from being a winning trade the last couple of years. You've had some winning China trades like you were in Luckin. Um, I know you've also traded some Chinese names on the downside pretty well. But I think what's tricky about that trade is it, there's always the, the overhang of a China hard landing. Um, however, it never actually seems to come to fruition. So, uh, I mean, the macro news is what it is. I guess like as a trader and as someone who's like, you know, I want more upside than downside. How do you look at the, the China trade long term? And is there anything specifically um, that would make you more bullish or more bearish on this FXI trade or any of the other Chinese names you're trading? Well, the, the only play that I've been at all bullish on is uh, Baba, where I opened a credit spread last Friday after they sold off big time on the news about um, uh, China companies having to audit. But other than that, the, I, I, I have a hard time finding a scenario that would have me being bullish other than them opening their books and having you know, uh, eyes that are very critical say, you know what, actually, I was wrong. This doesn't look as, as fugazi as we thought it would be, but that's not how it's going to go. And so I'm, I'm pretty uh, loaded up with GSX puts. They've, uh, they're a technical education company who's basically been shown by uh, Citron and Muddy Waters to uh, have created a, a massive amount of fraudulent customer activity to which their response was, well, you don't know our business which I think that's pretty airtight in terms of defending the, uh, the viability of your numbers. But uh, the unfortunate thing about holding puts on some of these Chinese companies, to name a few, GSX, Tal Education, IQ, all of which who have been uh, either implicated in fraud or called out in short seller reports, uh, is that this sort of 
breaks a lot of my rules for, for trading in terms of I never want to hold on to a trade that long. And once it's in profit, uh, I want to you know capture that profit. Or if I've held on to it long enough and the trade just isn't working out, I want to exit and repurpose that, that money elsewhere. Uh, but there's no telling when that black swan event is going to come. But if and when it does, and the drumbeat seems to be getting louder and steadier towards there is something coming, then I have a little more confidence holding something like that. These stocks pump very easily. But something like FXI is basically, you know, the, the best sort of heat indicator for uh, at least, you know, sentiment of China economy and risk involved. It moves very slowly. This isn't going to be a 10 bagger trade. But when I see a whole bunch of FXI puts coming through the, the order flow, uh, I know that there is a piece of news or something coming down the pipe that is going to pretty reliably drop that. They're cheap plays, so you're never going to have to invest too much in FXI puts, whether it's long-term or short-term. And it trades pretty closely to news. And if, if you do get in a winning position, have to hold overnight, um, there is some risk involved, but you're never going to get blown out. And more often than not, if the flow indicates that this is the right side to be on, then you know, you'll end up doing okay. Um, but to answer your question, I really don't see a scenario where I'm invested heavily in any, any company or any play other than BABA and maybe, I don't know, Tencent or, or Baidu. But BABA is really the only one and I have a hard time uh, really having a long position there. But, you know, we'll, we'll trade some short term calls if the opportunity presents itself or open a credit spread. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, I agree with you. I don't, I think this trade long term, I definitely like the risk reward. Some of my hesitation here is uh, I've definitely seen, you know, good theses of, around different names that seem to be pretty bulletproof, and then the stock can defy gravity in either direction for a long amount of time. I mean, Tesla, which we're going to talk about because I know you have some options activity um, commentary there. Uh, Tesla's been one where for years a lot of the value investors have been short, uh, have argued why the company doesn't deserve a you know, $20 billion valuation, much less than a $100 billion market cap, which is where it's trading right now. So that's, those, that's my two cents there on long-term trades. Um, but anyways, we'd love to hear your thoughts on some of the options activities you're seeing. I know you have Tesla here, um, you have Alibaba and a few others. So talk about that. Yeah, and that's a, that's a list I sent you over the weekend. Um, fortunately, a couple of those are pretty consistent, but I opened up that uh, credit spread on BABA because there was over $10 million, I think close to $15 million worth of leaps. So those are long-term, about a year-long uh, call options on BABA, which is very sort of unusual, um, both the, the length and the size. Um, I find that to be a very risky trade, but if I'm going to be holding something through the weekend, I think someone's got enough money betting on that play for me to be confident that the direction is at least up. So that's why I opened a credit spread there instead of trying to, uh, get a ton more leverage through some call plays. But Tesla has been an interesting one because it's basically been trading like a penny stock with massive amount of volatility. Um, for the last however many months, and especially recently, getting as low as the 300s and then back up over 800 here. Um, but the, the technical analysis has been show the price uh, really coiling and consolidating around the 820, 815 uh, range. And usually that indicates that there's going to be a big price move either up or down. But in 75% of the cases, it's going to continue the direction it's moving, which in the case of Tesla is up. So in that case, a huge Tesla move, which has happened plenty of times, um, both for and against anyone that's played Tesla, uh, has appeared to be on the docket for some time. And it seemed like the catalyst with Battery Day 
uh, being postponed is going to be the SpaceX launch uh, due to happen today, uh, would have been at 4.30, uh, was canceled due to weather. Um, but there's been a steady flow of uh, insane out of the money Tesla calls uh, coming basically every time the price dipped. And so when you see someone averaging in that consistently, you usually think that there is some, some fire where you see that smoke, whether it's insider information or a piece of news that's about to be dropped that hasn't been released to the public yet. Um, and normally I would enter that, that trade and have a lot of conviction about it. But seeing that, that 830 region, which to me is really sort of the key uh, resistance that hasn't been able to break through and would need to break through for a huge move potentially up to 900, it's been slapped down every time. And with no rocket launch today, we've seen Tesla really only top out around 820. So if there is a downward move, even though that the rocket launch is postponed to Saturday, um, depending on how that goes, which could be a complete disaster, who knows, um, it might be a, a good play to start looking at some Tesla puts. But right now, the, the flow has continued to be hot and heavy with Tesla calls over the last week. But now that launch has happened, come and gone, uh, we, we've seen the, the Tesla stock break many hearts of, of fanboys out there. I got to be the, the quick fundamentals guy before you go on here. The idea that a rocket launch would affect an electric car company is just patented bs <laughs> like there's no way that's gonna change the prospects of the stock long term at all and i get that the market reacts to it right we've seen tesla rally on spacex news and okay like the same guy runs both companies but there's no relationship other than that yeah uh, very very strange to me just wanted to put my my two cents out there not disagreeing with you certainly does move on, on spacex news but as a fundamentals investor has always been just baffling to me so again, it was more of a technical take, but it's, uh, I mean, if you look at Virgin Galactic, that price moved, dropped pretty significantly after hours just on that launch not happening, if anything bad happened. But uh, you can draw a correlation, I don't have the stats in front of me, to uh, Tesla stock moving based on SpaceX launches. So from a fundamental standpoint, yeah, absolutely no correlation, but from sort of a branding, marketing, PR standpoint, and we've seen uh, stocks move on a lot less, you know, what amounts to basically a tweet. Um, that that's enough sort of prestige and uh, public awareness to raise the value in some way. But it's really just looked at as sort of, could this be the catalyst for, for an upward move or in a case of some type of disastrous uh, outcome, catalyst for a downward move. But instead, we're locked in a, a, a place of indecision. And so um, theta or just holding on to these calls is going to slowly burn away uh, which is pretty brutal, especially if you're holding short-term or weekly calls with Tesla. And based on the premiums, that's probably all anyone can afford, really. So uh, if you're in Tesla, just just get out now and, you know, you can reevaluate maybe Friday. I'm sure you'll get a discount by that point in time. Well, see, I, I expected to rip Monday uh, when we have the most, the first ever uh, in a decade launch on American soil, American spacecraft, a uh, hat tip to Elon and hat tip to the great folks at NASA, because what a sight that will be. I'm super pumped. I tried to watch it today. Uh, that sucks. The weather canceled it, but I'll be tuned in Saturday to, to see them go at it again. But in, in other news and interesting options flow, before we got too far away from the macro discussion, um, there, there's typically a lot of flow on all the major indexes, primarily SPY, the S&P 500, IWM, the Russell 2000, which is a small cap index. And then QQQ, which is my boy, the DAC. Um, and so there will be quite a bit of, of action. But every now and then you'll see a huge order or several huge orders coming through 
Uh, usually need to be at least on the order of one and a half to two million dollars to really get my attention. And what stood out to me were several way out of the money. I'm looking at one for SPY. This is a June 12, 287 uh, put um, that was an order put through around let's see 221 today. So this is during the upward rally. Um, and we've got 9,460 contracts, and this is just in one sweep. And there's a whole slew of these SPY uh, massive put orders coming through all during this rally. Someone's averaging in uh, each time it hits a new intraday high. There's only a few spy calls coming through the flow, some shorter dated stuff closer to in the money. Those definitely look like either hedges or trying to capitalize on that rally. Um, but all of the positioning further out into June is definitely on the side of downward movement. And what's really telling for me is a uh, $3.3 million order coming in at 403. That means that was entered right at market close when SPY was at its highest uh, for a July 17th, 289 put, and it's $3.3 million order. Um, and SPY being sort of the biggest, most traded of the indexes that had by far the most, but also at close, we saw uh, about over $3 million with the IWM calls at the 137 strike for June 19th. Uh, and we also saw earlier in the day um, over six or seven million dollars of NASDAQ puts, um, both for early June and out to August. So all of the money, which I assume is smart money, um, people with deeper pockets than I have, uh, appears to be on some type of downward move. Um, the fact that these are being averaged in seems to tell me this isn't just a day trade or someone trying to catch a falling knife or, or get a swing here. Um, and that's usually enough to give me uh, confidence to, to enter a big um, short position, but I still have some short dated calls because you can't discount the overnight pump or, or something that's going to happen. Um, but if you are inclined to be making moves on those big indexes, I think now is definitely a great time. Like we talked about earlier, VIX calls can never be wrong. Uh, when the indexes go down, they go up. And especially with a, a big sell-off or something, those can uh, appreciate quickly in, in value. So that's one thing to, to look at. Yeah, that, that activity is definitely pretty interesting. I mean, the IWM trade, you mentioned the fact that people are bullish on the Russell 2000, but are bearish on the NASDAQ. I mean, obviously, I, I'm narrative fitting now, but I like the idea that small caps have a lot of cash up to play and tech has, has some room to fall off here. So yeah, I mean, Thursday, Friday, um, and then we'll be back on the podcast Sunday. It's going to be an interesting week ahead. Uh, any closing thoughts before we wrap up here? Yeah, a couple to throw out. Um, one of the most fun plays for short-term calls is the Biopharma pump and dump. Um, we've seen a couple of those with Moderna, Sorrento Therapeutics was one I called out before, just to name a few. Um, those are companies that just have a, an insane run-up, you know, 10, 20, 30, even 100% for some, from smaller stocks uh, based on news of potential therapeutic cure or a vaccine. Uh, and then they dump very quickly after once you know, they find out that these results amount to them telling five people that they have uh, a good idea and those five people telling them, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, and so I don't know why people invest so heavily anyways. But, you know, if you're in and out of that trade, you can, you know, find yourself a two or three bagger in an afternoon of not doing anything but looking at a ticker. And so what stood out in the flow today for me was AstraZeneca, ticker AZN. Uh, seems like they are sort of the front runner for a vaccine cure. Uh, and I don't know if there's any specific news uh, coming out today driving that movement. Um, even though it uh, was down 1.2% on the day, uh, it did finish the day up 
about 3% from uh, when that sell-off ended at 11 a.m. Uh, so I could see that being a pump candidate one to watch tomorrow. Uh, if the market is selling off tomorrow, Friday, it'll be interesting to see how it works against that generally in a major sell-off. Those will sell off too. Um, but knowing the power that hopium uh, in a cure can have, uh, trademarked on that term, even though I stole it from someone else, uh, that's, that's definitely one play to watch. Uh, and it might be a little late to get in this one, but CRM Salesforce um, is surging after hours based on Workday's uh, earnings, also announcing a partnership. You probably know more about uh, that than I do. Maybe you've even done a, a podcast with folks that know a lot more than me on that one. But I'd be interested to to know if there's any smoke where that's fire. But I expect a big run up. Uh, hopefully tomorrow, if there isn't a major sell off um, for for CRM. Um, otherwise, the the big plays that I'm looking forward to. I call that silver before, uh, and it's had some surges, also some sell offs. And I think most recently the sell off was due to this major risk on environment we're at, where you know a lot of money is going into equities, a lot of people taking on risks uh, due to the upward movement. But if there is a sell off in in a risk off environment where money is coming out of equities, going into bonds, going into uh, more safer investments, then we'll see. Uh, gold and silver absolutely surge and silver is definitely lagging behind gold in year-to-date sort of progress on the price uh, so if that surge or an inflationary situation happens I definitely see silver outpacing gold but both are great plays right now and a good buying opportunity for uh, a longer term safer play yeah some very interesting trades one note on the uh, CRM um, and workday trades I absolutely love that space I mean, I think customer relationship management um, and HR and some of the applications you just have to disrupt uh, the kind of IT space um, that I've, I've had various guests in the podcast. So I have three podcasts total on uh, ServiceNow and HubSpot. Uh, but yeah, I, I would like to be along that space for the next 10 years. Quick uh, anecdote on Moderna to touch on some of the biofarm uh, names you mentioned. Um, so Moderna, I've talked about in this fantasy stocks league I'm in. I've had it since it was a $20 stock. Um, so I, I followed it. I mean, obviously, because following the vaccine news is, is a great thing to do now as well. Um, Moderna ran all the way up to 80 bucks. And it's so, I mean, the company sold a bunch of equity at that price. If you look at the insider transactions, everybody is selling. There's not like any long-term buyers <laughs> in Moderna think, at the company. Yeah, none of their leadership owns any Moderna stock anymore, apparently. So yeah, so, so listeners, as a fundamental uh, equities guy, like that's, not what you want to see <laughs> at management or for insider transactions. So I'd have a mind to sell Moderna uh, in my fantasy league, but not sure. I mean, I could also see it being a hundred dollar stock on some small news item. Great short opportunity though. Yes. Uh, but short at your own risk. Uh, anyways, another fantastic episode. I'm glad uh, you can make up for your bearish call and it sounds like you're still a bear. Uh, and I, next time we chat, I, I expect the S and P to be at all time highs the way things are going. I mean, I, I am neither, I'm just holding more puts at the moment, but I am whatever, uh, is printing and getting me those tendies. So, uh, looking forward to another podcast this week and I have a feeling the next two days here are going to fill us with plenty to discuss. So, uh, we could even be doing this daily if we didn't have such busy, robust lives and so many other social engagements to tend to, but look forward to getting another one out this weekend. You're too kind. I will talk to you later, buddy. Thanks for listening. 
To hear more episodes of Stock Talking and read a blog with my latest trade recommendations, market commentary, and more, visit postcoronastocks.com.